Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safety. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. Super. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for Talking Tesla. It's 1.10. I'm here with Robert, and... It's nice and cool outside, though. It doesn't feel like it's 110. Uh No, that's the number of the show, not the temperature. It's actually really cold outside for us, which is like 65 degrees. It's terrible. Actually, it's wonderful. And we're here with a special guest. Carl is with us. Say hi, Carl. Hello, everybody. On a beautiful sunny day, correct? Just the time to have somebody here for solar. Exactly. So Carl (laughs) works for an organization. We might call them a Tesla. And actually, is a neighbor who lives down the street. So uh, it's great that we uh, hooked up. I'm not sure how much Carl's allowed to say. We're going to pimp him for insider information. He's going to say, I can't say. Can't we have say. bright lights can't on his say. face. That's right. We'll beat him if need be. Yeah. So uh, it turns out that for some reason I've forgotten, or Tom didn't tell me he's not here today, but so it's great timing that Carl could be with us. And so, Carl, you don't have the show notes, but you can say anything you like, as long as it doesn't get you in trouble. And we can always bleep it out. But, of course, this is supposed to be... Family-friendly. We don't always do that. No, not always. So let's start, uh, first of all, with the Patreons. We've got 50 Patreons in October, so we have to crush Tom's car. Crush Tom's car. I brought a sledgehammer, so we're good. Yeah, it better be a damn big sledgehammer, Carl. He won't allow it. I I offered. I I have two sledgehammers at home. I'll I'll swing them myself. (laughs) No, not good enough. So I think we're going to be going up to Tahunga, maybe. Where there's like a scrapyard. I can't wait to actually do this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, So that's coming up. We'll find out where and when and let you all know. We'll be uh, popping the champagne and crushing Tom's ice vehicle. Thanks to all the Patreon peeps. Yeah, it's been really very uh, great of you to do that. It really helps with uh, some of the costs of putting this puppy together. But now I want to talk some math. Are you ready? Because I'm so good at math. I thought we weren't ever going to do math on the show. Yeah, well, we have to. Remember you were talking about the Baker installation, the uh, the big installation um, that is in Baker, uh, where the Euros, the Euros are? That's right. The Greek restaurant on the way to Vegas, 40 stalls. Ooh. 40 stalls. So there's some pictures on Reddit. So people are driving past and they're taking pictures of all this stuff. And what I wanted to work out is the solar array, Carl, this is your area. In the solar array there, I'm trying to work out how many cars you could do purely on that solar array. So I'm going to do some math. Carl, you can check my math. Here we go. I saw six carports there, shade structures covered in solar panels. They look like about 27 by 5 panels on each one. I'm going to assume that they're pretty high quality panels. They're like 350 watts. And I'm going to assume 10 hours a day. And if my math is correct, the maximum output from that Baker installation is somewhere around 2,800 kilowatt hours a day you could get of energy. I then said, let's say the average Tesla driver comes in and plugs in and uses 50 kilowatt hours of juice, that they could do about 50 to 60 cars a day, fully solar. That's just sort of uh, my math. It's approximate. But uh, what do you think, Carl? Does that make sense? These are pretty big arrays. 
you know, they're 27 panels by five, and there's six of them. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I wouldn't say you're too far off there. I mean, obviously, they're not charging that many cars at one time, but throughout the time of the day, that would be accurate. So there's also the Ivan Parr energy solar thing that's just down the road from there. So I'm assuming that uh, that grid-tied sort of situation that they have there probably is sucking the solar energy from Ivan Parr. So it could be that this is 100% electrons from the sun going into your uh, Tesla. Maybe that'll come with an announcement when they actually turn the switch. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. They look like they're moving along pretty quickly. And I also assume that they'll have a bunch of power packs there as well that are storing all that electricity during the day and then discharging it at night. Uh, but 40 stalled. But we're going to talk later about a, a Chinese installation that's even larger. But my focus for this week is on Tesla Owners Club one-hour video. So uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name. What are Trevor. Trevor and... I just know Trevor because Trevor and I hung out when we were in Fremont together and I raced around in the car and we went and watched Model 3s driving on the track. So Trevor and friend who are from the Tesla Owners Club, they do a, a YouTube show and I really like it. They're really uh, nice guys. They do thorough reviews. So this was a really in-depth review of the Model 3. So they got a Model 3 and they had it for a day or two. Yeah. And they didn't just sort of take videos and go, look, it's pretty at the car. They, like, took serious, in-depth geek videos of there, this car. There was actually a rectal exam I saw. Yeah, it was just about. So they're Tesla obsessed. And let's. I'm going to go through some of the things they talked about and then sort of do the summary at the end. But go watch this video. Uh, get yourself a glass of shardy. Put your feet up and just watch this thing if you're interested in the Model 3. So first of all... Just once? uh, Watch it multiple times. (laughs) I'm just going to do it the way they did it. Um, So first of all, the trunk. The part that I really liked is the trunk of the car we've been uh, thinking, you know, is as good as it bad? It looks really big. looks really well put together and uh, has the ability to drop the back seats. And so you have a significant amount of space in there. And so they had one of these uh, friends who's about 5'10", so sort of an average size dude, hop in the back and lie down. And he's like, you could totally camp in this thing if you're 5'10". Now, maybe if you're 6'4", you'd be a bit cramped. But for normal-sized people, you could totally lay down on this thing. He had to do a bit of a a limbo to get in it because it doesn't have the big, wide-open hatch like the Model S does. Yeah, so it is a trunk. Um, It's not a hatch, but it is pretty roomy. So then they went up to the frunk. So the frunk is pretty small, but functional if you've got like a carry-on bag or, you know, grocery hooks, and you can sort of put your groceries in there and hook mm-hmm. them on there. So a nice little frunk. And your golf shoes. And your, and that's all that matters. It's all about the stinky golf shoes. So, Carl, you have a Model S. Do you have the dual model or the single? 75 rear wheel. Rear wheel. So you've got the big old frunk. So for people that don't know, the single drive Model S has a really nice size frunk. You can put a lot of crap in that thing. But if you get the dual model, for some reason, that makes the frunk a lot smaller. Yeah, I don't know why they make the frunk so much smaller because the front motor is not that big. And the mount where it's at, they could easily have given you, you know, from from the size of the frunk on the dual motor car, I think they could have increased it by 50%. If they would have just made the plastic inserts less sleek and straight, they could have given you another cutout in there. I'm disappointed in that personally. Well, it also has a lot to do to the new a Havoc system that's in the car. The new Havoc system is taking a lot of space up front, and I think to make it a little bit more unison, especially with production ramp-ups for Model 3, having less parts you know, in storage at Fremont is kind of their biggest issue. I mean, you've been to the to the Fremont uh, Tesla 
Yeah, there's not much there. It's so it's, the, it's that HVAC uh, thing that's taking up. Because I was wondering the same thing. They took this giant frunk yeah. and shrunk it by, I think, half uh, for the dual motor version. So there was that's interesting information that it's not just the fact that they put the motor up there. They changed things around, which is a bummer. But I can still fit my shoes, my golf shoes, and my golf cart. But I have to get one of those golf carts where you take the wheels off and make it small. I'm just saying. Yeah. So the Model 3 frunk is even smaller still than the dual uh, drive uh, Model S. So it's a smaller still, but still functional for little things. And it also has in there a little button if you get stuck in there so that you can uh, get yourself out. But as they were saying on the show, um, we're not sure. <laughs> You'd have to be like three years old. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you could train your, you know, your puppy how to push the button. Um, the tow hook is in the front, and they also showed that on the f- on the front of the car there is an area for the tow hook. A lot of people have been asking about that. And then they showed the front plate holder. So a lot of us who have Teslas don't put on the registration plate up the front because it doesn't look cool. But you're taking a risk because it is a law in California you're supposed to have it. So every now and then you get a $50 fine. So they showed that they've got a front place holder for the Model 3, which, again, I think you get to choose if you want to put it on or not. And then it basically sticks on there. You know, drilling, you just sort of stick it on there with 3M tape. Do you have your front license plate on, Carl? Yes. Now Tesla has it required since California state law does require them to have it installed at the time of picking up your vehicle at delivery. So uh, all newer Model S's will have them installed. That's a bummer. I don't. Mm. I'm still riding rogue, but <laughs> Me I, I have it on my to-do list since it's been six months that I bought my car. Yeah, I have uh, the X where it's not on there because it didn't have it pre-installed. This was back in the day when you, which is not that long ago, a year and a half ago, where you had to stick it on yourself. But on the model, the new Model S that I got, they had the sort of holder. And I'm like, ah, what the hell? Since the holder's on there anyway, I might as well shove it in. Which, like I say, is uh, too bad. So uh, then they went inside and they looked at some of the the armrests and stuff in the middle. Yeah, this is where they they started in the back seat. Yep. And they went to the armrest that pulls down. Of course, S doesn't really have much there. Yeah, so this is way better. So we're in the back seat. The, first of all, they say it's pretty roomy. Um, yeah. uh, Amazing headroom. A lot of headroom. Look like a lot of headroom back there. Yeah. And then, yeah, you can pull sort of the middle section between uh, the seats and you can have, you know, your drink holders. And they're the kind Tom would like. Tom, are, you, are, is your, Tom, are your ears are you ringing? There? Are your ears ringing? Because I'm thinking about you. As I watched this video, I saw these cup holders with these little rubber bumps in them, and they'll really hold snugly onto all of your various coffee mugs. So if you ever happen to sit in the back seat, you'll be a very happy camper back there. They had this really cool flip-up headrest for the middle seat, yes, which I thought was, whoa, where did that come from? And it's, sure enough, if you pull the armrest down or at least sneak your hand between the armrest and this upper portion of the middle back seat, you can pop up a back headrest. It's not quite as high or tall as the one on either side. So if you're the taller of the three sitting in the back seat, you should probably have one of the outside seats. But that was a pretty sweet design. Yeah, I think that they're going to have to move that to Model S because it's so nice. You just pull it down and there's your cup holders and everything. And you don't have that in a Model S right now. They have rear vents, no controls. So if you want more air conditioning in the back, you have to ask the person up the front. Yeah, that's, that's common on a lot of cars. Yeah, you can, you can move the vent around so you can point it different places, but you can't turn it on. You can't adjust the amount. They have USB power, but that's about all those do in the back. But you've got two USB power sticks in there. And then they move to the front. And in the front, they've got phone holders 
Woohoo! This is to me huge. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. It's like a separate section in the center console that flips up, and there's a a bed for two cell phones, and you can put the type of power supply, like sort of implant it with the system of mounting, similar to what they have in the S right now, but now it's for two phones, and uh, and your phone can just sit there really nice. It may not be the best place if you're going to use some app like Waze which we've talked about in the past and I use all the time. Uh, But it's a really slick and integrated way to put your phone in the car. And you can actually put your phone in there and then close the little covering so that you can hide that your phone's in there if you want. And keep it away from, like, uh, I don't know, prying eyes or you want to be the absolute most perfect driver who is not at all distracted by anything on the road, Mm -hmm. uh, especially until autopilot comes around. Which still is not good. Um, Then they've got the center (laughs) console. And here's a huge thing. So the center console, okay, it's got uh, some holders. And it folds up and there's even more space. So... On the S right now, there's the center console and you've got two drink holders. And then there's this slidey thing that happens where you can yeah. slide the center console and then have no drink holders or drink holders. But it, it seems a really silly design. Why can't that thing open up so I can put some crap in there? Yeah, I don't know. You know, thinking about Tesla over the years, I like my original Model S because the center, you can do whatever the heck you want with it. It's just this big open trough. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've done. I've put in like plastic, you know, little bins and things that I got at the 99 cent store. I've fit a Kleenex box in just right. And I've got all this stuff laid out. And then I bought a nice little small black T-shirt and I just throw it over it and mm-hmm. you don't even see it. And I just lift the T-shirt and, and, and it, yeah, it's kind of it's ghetto. ghetto. Yes, yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> but it works really well. And the new one is kind of jacked because you, you're really limited as to what you can do. I actually disassembled much of that center console, pulled all this stuff out just so I could do my same thing. Put in some, you know, plastic bins from the 99 cent store or Mitsua or I forget whichever the Japanese supply stores I like going to and um, and make it work for me. But if I'm not in my car and I don't have my stuff, I just don't like it. Uh, they have vanity mirrors, and the vanity mirrors have lights. Amazing. So, so great. The rest of the center display and everything looks cool. They went over in, in detail about the center display and the fact that it's so big, and the way they've got the speedometer and stuff over to the side, you can actually be looking out of the car, and you have a very wide field of vision because the hood of the car is downsloping. You don't have the sort of binnacle display in the way. So you have this huge amount of area that you can see. And just out of your peripheral vision, you can see uh, the speedometer. So they are like people that are worried about this display being off to the side. It doesn't seem to be an issue. Yeah, I think people are still going to have some getting used to it. There's, it's a paradigm shift. It's not the way most cars are built. And people are going to have some trouble with it. Uh, there'll be more complaints, I promise. Um, they said there's no screen glare there, and it's in there solid. I think on some of the alpha cars, we saw people sort of fondling that display, and it looked like it was going to pull off. But they were like grabbing this thing, and it's like, that is stuck down. Yeah, they made it really clear that with the layout of the dash, there's no glare on the windshield. Of course, they were doing this in like some rainy place, right? They kept having rain fall. Right. It's like, whoa, that's not California, or at least not where we live in California, because lately there hasn't been much rain. And uh, and the same thing goes for the center display. Not No glare on the screen. I saw just a bare small amount, but nothing that's going to inhibit you from being able to drive the car comfortably. And... Um they noted multiple times that this is an early production car. A lot of the software isn't up to date. And so right. a lot of the stuff that we might expect later on is not in there right now. But a lot of the knobs on the steering wheel 
are contextually aware. So uh, if you want to move the the mirrors and you're in the mirror part of the software, then the little scrolly wheels will change the mirrors. If yeah. you're listening to the radio, again, it's contextual. One will be volume, one will be down, up and down. If you want to move the steering wheel, again, if you're on that part of the display, it'll be contextual. So you That's can move it up and down and in and out. I think they have a lot of stuff they're going to still bring out that can be controlled by the steering wheel, but it's kind of quiet right now. I think primarily you're doing everything through that center display. And even since they did that video, there's been two or three updates and the amount of adjustment and the amount of things that you can do are growing. And so it's going to be something we'll be reporting to you. Now, uh, unlocking the car, they made it sound like that if you've got the app on your phone, so here, so like I've got the app on my phone. His phone was turned off. Yeah. He walked up to the Model 3 and it unlocked. Yeah. So does that mean the app is running continuously in the background so that it's uh, aware that the car is there via Bluetooth or something? How is this working? Yeah, there must be some sort of a pinging uh, device so that it's – well, I've got my app on all the time. Mm-hmm. And you need to leave it on all the time so that when you get in the car, the car can read your your calendar, can you know, so it can suggest where you're going to go next or look at your contact list. If you want to call somebody, I just push the button and say, call Mel. And uh, so that's something that I do all the time anyway. I'm assuming that's how they've built it in. But they also did a nice uh, round with the black Tesla key card right. where they held it up. That's the RFID card. It's very close proximity, and they waved it over the B pillar. And sure enough, so the, the door handles don't pop out, but what you watch for is that the mirrors unfold. Mm-hmm. And that tells you the car has woken up and is now unlocked. And then they put it in the section of the center console right behind and above where the permanent cup holders are, uh, kind of tucked into the armrest cushion, and it stayed there, and the car went live. You could see the changes in the screen, and that's also to be used for if you're loaning the car out or you're going to give it to the valet driver. Uh, But otherwise, there are no keys this time, which is kind of nice because we had a key situation this week, uh, this last week. You had a key situation? We had a key situation. Please explain. Key situation. Yeah, so the wife took the car, uh, drove it over to a building, and was parked under the apartments. It's all concrete. There is no signal of any kind. Mm -hmm. And dutifully went to do her thing. And she came back out and she wanted to, you know, leave with the car and the car would not open. And so she called me when she she has to walk out from the building to call me because the reception is so poor. And I'm at work and she's like, I can't get into the car. You know, what's going on? And since, of course, it was my car Mm -hmm. and now it's her car. It's my fault that you can't get into the car. And you're the Tesla expert. Why can't you get me into the car? I was like, I don't have telepathy. And so it turns out I expect that the battery had gone dead. Mm-hmm. And she didn't get the warning. Uh, they said that you should – so this was from service, multiple service people. You should get a warning when your battery's going low on the binnacle display or on the center console display. Sometimes you'll get this little red exclamation point symbol up along the top of the mm-hmm. center display. But no such had ever happened. In fact, I've never seen that kind of a warning. Maybe it's part of a new software update. And so they had to send a Tesla Rover out to her. So she had left the key in, I guess, her pocket or her purse and wasn't touching it for maybe 45 minutes. When the Rover got there, the battery must have retrieved enough charge (laughs) that she walks with the Rover to the car and boop, car opens up. So nicely, the Rover gives her a battery and made the point and I took some pictures. I didn't put it out on Twitter, I don't think, yet. But the point is, they only recommend Maxell 
CR2032 batteries. So that's the button battery, the number, but the brand Maxell. I buy uh, EverReady, which work really mm-hmm. well for medical devices. Right. They say, oh, no, 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 you shouldn't use this one. You should only use the Maxell. Really? Like, that's a pearl. Really? I just find the cheapest crap that's at Ralph's and yeah. shoving it. <laughs> or buy them on eBay. You know, when you get 200 batteries for $17 and you wonder, are they actually real? Another thing about the console display, I should say, is that they also found that it's really close. Unlike on the S, you find yourself sort of reaching over to touch things and causing accidents. They're saying that on the 3, it's much closer up and it feels like it's much easier to get at everything, which is important because you're going to use it for everything. So you're saying like for a more petite person, for me, the Model 3 is better. Yes. I have arms <laughs> uh, like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, uh, very small and pokey. Um, so that's going to work out for me. Uh, they said it had a tight turning circle. And again, basically just go and uh, watch this. There's a lot of really interesting stuff there. But their summary was, and certainly my summary of watching this video, was that this is a beautiful car. This is an amazing car. This is a really well put together car, well thought through, anally retentively thought through car that looks at least is equal in quality to the S and for in some ways better than the S. And I've heard other reviewers driving it around saying it feels super fast because it's small, it's perky, it, uh, it's got a great turning circle. People are going to love this car. And i got to tell you, by the end of that video, I'm like, oh, okay, I want one now, yeah, right now. Right now. You want to go down to the dealer and just buy it. You and probably a million other people, because I expect that after this car comes out, and I've been saying this for a while, that not only the 400,000 plus people who've put their money down want this car, mm-hmm. two times that are going to want that car. And you know what that's going to do to the Tesla stock price? It's going to go up. Let's ask. Hey, Google, what's Tesla's stock price today? As of 12.19 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time today, Tesla shares are trading at $320.69 per share on NASDAQ, down 0.06% from last Friday. That's kind of been a trend down for a while now. Yeah, it peaked at 389, something like that, and now it's at 320. You know, when we started the show, it was probably in the 150 range. And now I'm thinking 320. Wow, that sounds like a buy. Yeah, so Carl, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this, but as a, a Tesla employee, do you get um, shares? Uh, do you get bonuses in shares or anything like that? What happens? Are you allowed to tell us? Or you Turn on the bright lights. Quickly. Uh, I think everybody, it's common knowledge that everybody gets a, some sort of 401k plan. It's, it, you know, they take great care of us. Working for Tesla is great. Can't, can't complain about it. Okay. And uh, what do you think? the stock price is going to be a year from now i need to know <laughs> 10 zillion 10 zillion that's Whoa. a good buying opportunity that's, that's many orders of magnitude oh my obviously a joke yes <laughs> it's only going to be five zillion um all right let's talk about uh, i was going to just say there's if you can't if, if that hour plus video that trevor yes. put out is not enough yes then ocd tailing has been added again oh really yeah oh, joe at ocd tailing went through he drove a car he they actually show them going through the entire treatment on this red model three where they washed it multiple ways to get off the iron deposits to get off all the mineral deposits and clean 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 all the way around they even took the wheels off clean on the inside of the wheel wells kind of crazy clean and then they wrap it in this you know hardcore it's it's a very durable plastic i have it on the front end of my car and it looks like i got hit by a bunch of rocks and this stuff held up really nicely uh, it won't repel trains 
<laughs> That's the one thing he said it won't do. Yeah, okay. And then on top of that, they put another coating that makes it like a mirror. I mean, literally, it's so shiny. It looks like it's a plastic toy. It doesn't look real. And then he takes the car and drives it to the factory and supercharges it and drives it back. And so he's got like six or seven videos up now and you can get a good feel there. He's not a Tesla, you know, fanboy. So he's like, I don't know, this is not like my M5. And, you know, he's kind of given maybe the more uh, person on the street view of the car. Mm -hmm. But still, the thing holds up. It's super solid. They're going to sell a ton of these cars. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. I think as soon as they're out there, people see them. Um, they're going to sell more than a ton. They're going to sell a ton. Yeah, an F ton, an S ton. <laughs> F ton, S ton. A metric the, ton. Their only problem is going to be production capacity. And again, we still have no idea how many they're making right now. Everybody's speculating, but this is not I just don't see this in volume until next year. Yeah, well, so does it really matter that they hit their full stride in, you know, I, I know people are saying that they want their $7,500 American tax credit. And I understand that's really important. It's important. It was important for me to buy my cars. But from the bigger picture, if they meet their, uh, hit their stride at, you know, 10 weeks, at 20 weeks, it doesn't matter in the big scheme of we want to get electric cars in the hands of everybody and get people out of ICE cars. So let's talk about battery packs in Puerto Rico. So I've been talking a lot about this. I talked about it on the Patreon about how you could completely electrify uh, Puerto Did you, Rico. You talked about it on the Patreon, and I and you're not a you're not a Patreon. I'm you're not a, a subscriber, patron, so, so you don't get it. I'm out of it. Hey, Patreons, would you guys kind of send me your link so I could get the Patreon? So you've got a thing in here from Mashable about uh, a hospital there that is now being run by Tesla. Run by the sun. So this was a children's hospital in uh, Puerto Rico that was hit hard by the uh, hurricane. They've lost their power. And so this is one of the places I'm not sure how Tesla Energy chose this location, maybe because it was the hospital of the children. But they went there and they installed an enormous solar array. It's actually lying on the parking lot. Right. People were saying, oh, they're going to put it up on posts. They're going to park under it. They're like, no, I think they're just in recovery mode. They're not in building it up mode. And so they threw all the solar panels out into the parking lot because the building wasn't big enough to handle all of the solar that they need. And they installed, I think it was four power packs. And this thing was up and running already like last week. It was all over Twitter and Instagram. And it just goes to show you that still at the last I checked, which was yesterday morning, there 70% of people did not have reliable power on the island. And this hospital is up and running with a brand new solar system and power packs. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge solar array, lots of power packs, and it just shows you these microgrid concept instead of, oh my gosh, it's this overwhelming thing, a whole island we've got to do at once. You can just pop these things up where you need them first. And obviously a children's hospital is a very important place to put that. So uh, Carl, do you, uh, what do you do with, uh, for Tesla Energy? Are you uh, involved in this kind of thing or are you more residential? Well, I specifically work on the residential end for Tesla Energy, but you know, obviously the power packs and the and the uh, power walls are a huge motive for us right now. I mean, as you have personally experienced, I think a lot of my customers are waiting right now on their power wall installations. Obviously, mm -hmm. we have sent a lot of our battery resource to Puerto Rico right now, and Elon's you know sent a company wide email you know letting us all know that let our customers know that. Obviously, we are thinking of them foremost, but in a disaster situation like this, you know, we're going to divert resources as needed. And that's kind of, you know, one of the things Tesla likes to stand behind. 
Yeah, so as big as the you know the battery production is already, it has a long way to go before it gets to full production. And you can see that, you know, um, I want my Powerwall, but I'm I understand I don't need my Powerwall. Puerto Rico needs the Powerwall. So uh, good on Tesla for for um, really working hard to help out there. And I'll, it'll be interesting to see how much of the energy infrastructure in Puerto Rico eventually will be built by Tesla because uh, they just canceled that contract with like this these two dudes in New Jersey and they said oh yeah we can build some stuff and give us 300 million dollars and they just canceled that because it all sounded a little bogus oh this is the one from Scott Pruitt's state yeah, somewhere there yeah um, so then the, the most exciting thing that happened this week by far overwhelmingly occurred on Elon's Instagram please explain yeah, this came, this caught me by surprise. I never thought I'd see anybody lighting the Gigafactory on fire. Yes, but they I did. I mean, like Gigafactory 1 in Sparks, Nevada, where they had fires just last year. There was like big brush fires that came through that area and was threatening the factory. And we were kind of nervous here at Talking Tesla. But then I see fire on the Gigafactory. We just had a big fire in Northern California. I was like, what? But there was Elon holding a like stick with a marshmallow on the end of it. And I thought... Hmm, that's not the kind of fire I should be worried about. I don't think, but there was also alcohol involved. And so this uh, sing-along to Johnny Cash, uh, along with hot dogs, marshmallows, and whiskey, took place on top of the Gigafactory last week. Uh, that was on Wednesday. And looks like there was a bit of celebration. The, I guess, official word was that it was a lot less time to camp out on the roof of the Gigafactory, then to drive to Reno to get a hotel room and then drive back. And I've been on that drive. It's not a short drive, and there's some wicked traffic on that drive. And so, you know, I wonder, maybe that will, the reason why they haven't put solar panels on top of the Gigafactory is because they're actually planning campsites for the staff that don't want to be traveling back and forth. And you know what? That's not a bad idea. I do the same thing, right? When I work a long shift at the hospital and I'm really tired and I've got it Another one the next day, I might just stay at the hospital. But thankfully, at least, I don't have to camp out on the roof. How much would you have paid to go to that little party? Hanging out with Elon and the kids up on the top of the Gigafactory, drinking whiskey, having hot dogs and marshmallows. Yeah. I would pay a lot for that. So I wonder what they were really celebrating. Obviously, this was like a celebration. Something right. big had happened, and maybe they found a new uh, supplier for the doors or something. I don't know. What the seats. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a couple things that are coming up. There is a launch today. We'll yeah, talk about that in a little midday, bit. Midday, yeah. Yep. So there's a launch, and there's an earnings call coming. <gasps> and we're going to find out how many right. cars. So maybe I should buy that stock now. I'm not going to give any stock advice because I don't – I'm not really – I can give you advice on your broken leg. Yeah, look, I'll give you some advice. Look, here's what you do. You should buy stocks low. Yes. Cheaply. Yes. And then you should sell them when they're much more expensive. Okay. So, so your your income goes up. So your income goes up. They, yeah. Okay. So I, I don't know. That might be helpful to some people. Just buy low, sell high. You could even say. Hmm. Uh, let's talk about uh, lawsuits. Hmm. Yeah, this was an unpleasant surprise. I came home last week and there was, you know, junk mail. There's always tons of junk mail. Lots of postcards from this realtor and this dentist and whatever. And all of a sudden, there was one that said Tesla. And I was like, oh. What's this? It doesn't look like Tesla. There's no Tesla symbol on it. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, it says, we're suing Tesla because Tesla lied. What? Lied. 
Yeah. Said the Tesla lied that it turns out. And I was like, what? What is this? Why are they suing Tesla? Why are they? It was actually Solar City. Of course, now it is Tesla. Mm -hmm. But they were upset because um, Tesla had misrepresented. Well, I'm looking back. There's been a number of suits that claim that number one in this suit that Tesla used marketers, telemarketers to call people and convince them to buy solar systems when those people were on the the federal do not call list. So there's this list in the United States okay. that you can put your name on and you put your phone number and it says to anybody who's out there, do not call this person. And you know how well that works? Not at all. Yeah, it doesn't work too well <laughs> because the other day I got like three calls and I've been on that list since that list was practically created. Yeah, I was too. And it worked for a while and yes. then it stopped working. All the marketers have got this number again. I don't know what happened. Yeah, well, evidently they've worked out a way where they can hijack phone numbers and use those phone numbers to reroute phone calls. These are the like the Nigerian princes. Uh -huh. But I don't know about the people who were somehow associated with Tesla. So they made these calls. People got upset. Some lawyers, you know, smelled blood like sharks and boom, they're on it. Uh, this is class action law. It's a whole area of law that's different than so many others. And it's kind of got its ups and downsides. Uh, in this case, I don't know. It seems that they had some merit because in the end, Tesla has settled. They're settling for something like $15 million with two different class action lawsuits. And uh, you've got till like December 15th to say whether or not you want to be involved in this thing. So being involved means you say your response is, no, I don't want to be part of it. End of story. Or they assume you want to be part of it. Mm -hmm. And they take the money and they split it up to everybody and you might get 40 cents. Yes, that's how it usually In goes. a check that cost them like 80 cents to create yes. and with a stamp that's 55 cents that it took them to mail. Mm -hmm. And uh, But the lawyers always end up getting something like 30 to 50 percent of the settlement, including covering all of their costs. It's actually quite lucrative for the class action lawyers. Um, and that's kind of why a lot of the class action lawsuits take place. So were these people that got called who are going to get there, 40 cents, whatever it is, we don't know the number, or is it people that actually had a system installed and they're saying, no, I would never have done it if you hadn't have called me? Yeah, it basically is a blanket settlement. It goes for anybody unless they opt out. So this enables them to sue on behalf of you. And if you don't know it, then um, tough. Okay. Yeah, it's just like uh, you're opted in. And that, so I look back and there's been quite a few of these things. You know, they've, they've claimed that Solar City at one point uh, came out and they said, hey, we went back through our accounting numbers and we misrepresented or misreported a couple of things and they explained it. And then the lawsuit still flooded in because after they explained that they had miscalculated, uh, the stock dropped and the lawyers jumped in and said, oh, all these investors have lost money. And so there's been quite a few of these suits. I actually made a little dive into it and put down a couple of more there. And it turns out that Tesla or Solar City has been very aggressive in fighting back. And uh, one of these big lawsuits, they are actually seeking like like over a half a million dollars in reparation for their expense for this. And then it turns out the judge you know, was very clearly on Tesla's or Solar City side. And then Tesla backed down and they said, okay, well, we got our vindication. We'll, we'll settle for like $150,000. It was, you know, I think, no, I don't think Tesla or Solar City, I don't get the sense that they're trying to rip anybody off. It's a bummer when you make mistakes. Maybe that, you know, when they did the recent going through and cleaning house of who's working there, maybe that uh, bookkeeper or that accountant didn't uh, didn't get to stay. 
Yeah, it's a, it is a mistake to think that class action lawsuits mean anything because of what you said. First of all, the people who are involved in them almost always get nothing. This is driven by lawyers to get a whole bunch of people together and to sue big companies for large sums of money. And the only people that make out of this is, is the lawyers. So yeah. they're just sort of their uh, annoyances. And people like Apple and Google and stuff, they're basically continuously in class action lawsuits mm. um, because lawyers, have, they want to make some cash. Yeah. And you can always find with these big companies something that they've done wrong in quotes. But let's just talk about something far more pleasant, and that is superchargers. Supercharging. This is not the biggest week for superchargers. It's a little disappointing after you've uh, had week after week after yes. week. And and we, we have a big number to hit by the end of the year. We've got to get up to 1,000 superchargers in China, and we've got to, you know, get a huge amount by the end of this year. We'll see. Maybe come holiday for Thanksgiving, we'll have lots to have Thanksgiving for or be excited to receive in the holiday, be it under the star, the tree, the Kwanzaa, whatever. But this week, we have five. Just five new open superchargers in the world. And they are spread all over. We have a new supercharger in New Zealand. I think that might be number two for New Zealand. Okay. And then we have one in Belgium, in France, in the United States, and in China. But... The one in China is the supercharger Shanghai Lilacs Center Mega Charger. How mega is this charger? This is the 50-stall supercharger, and I just had to grab a screenshot. I put it in the show notes where, you know, when you look on your Tesla, if you don't have one, you look on your Tesla map, and as you're driving, a little red, like, drop uh, upside down teardrop shows up and that's the supercharger and you tap on that and a box opens up to tell you you know how good is the power at the supercharger that's a recent feature they added and how many of the slots are taken and they have like these little red bars and white bars very small underneath you'll see like six or maybe even 16 or 20 this one the bars stretch from one side of the box to the other 50 bars i counted them 50 little 50 bars. 50 little bars. And when I looked at it, there were actually nine stalls being used. Uh, this is exciting, these mega charges. And I actually said something wrong a few weeks ago. I thought that the new software update, when you clicked on the little supercharger logo, told you which stall you should go into for the most fastest charge. But it was basically just telling you if it's a 120-kilowatt charger or one of the metro chargers at 75. It's not actually directing you to 3A or 3B. So, Carl, you said you recently went to Portland. Did you drive in your Tesla? Yes. Did you go up the 5? Yes. And uh, was there any range anxiety? Is there good supercharging all the way to Portland? So yeah, all the way up to Portland, it was great, actually. There was no range anxiety. I had multiple choices of spots to stop. Um, I was actually really pleasantly surprised to see that they have a lot of extra temporary superchargers um, at a couple of the stops, specifically Mount Shasta had two temporary superchargers expanding. So you can see the expansions are on their way. Obviously, I don't know if Tesla, since I do work with the Tesla energy side, I don't know so much about the supercharging infrastructure, but... You can tell that they are getting ready for the ramp up of Model 3. Um, Maybe they're still waiting for permitting to put those down into the ground. But I don't know if you gentlemen have seen already the temporary superchargers when they place them on pretty much metal pallets. Yep. And, you know, it's just really exciting. Didn't have any problem with the line or any weights. There wasn't an eclipse when you drove up there, so there probably wasn't a lot of cars there. 
Yes, luckily I did avoid that. Um, yeah, yeah. They, what they do here, I'm sure they do it in other countries as well, is that they'll often put up the temporary version, which looks like it's sort of rolled off the back of a truck, and then they can put it out really quickly, and then later on they come and sort of bolt it all down and make it pretty and put some paint work on there. So I like the same way. When I see those temporary ones, I'm like, it'll be five minutes before they become permanent. Yeah, they'll bring in a whole crew and build it out. Now, this update that you were kind of referring to is more like, where are you going to get a quicker, faster charge? And so, like, if you're going from Los Angeles to San Francisco along the I-5, there's a cluster of superchargers between Fort Tejon and Bakersfield and Buttonwillow. So within, I don't know, what is that, like 20, 25 miles, there's three superchargers. And if you're going up the five or down the five, and you need to make a stop, and one of those superchargers is either full or it's got a poor power supply, the car will direct you to the proper supercharger so that your trip takes less time. And that's a really great feature. I'm waiting for somebody to send up a tweet or send me a picture of this Shanghai Lilac Center supercharger when all 50 slots are full. That that would be uh, amazing. So when you guys travel... Do you um, sort of slavishly just follow what Tesla... So you're like uh, LA to Portland and it tells you where to go and how long you're going to charge. Do you slavishly follow that because you believe it's the fastest way to get there or do you make up your own? I personally, I will make up my own a little bit. I like stopping at the Harris Ranch, being a big foodie. It's nice Mm -hmm. to stop at the Harris Ranch, get some food, relax there. I had the luck last time I was there to run into four Model 3s. Uh, Stop. Oh my. How many Model 3s? Yeah, I, I actually had to double take it also. I parked right in the middle of the Harris Ranch Superchargers, and I looked out my passenger side window as my fiance was mentioning, isn't that a Model 3? And I'm like, no, no, honey, like you, you've said this so many times, you can't <laughs> be right. I look out my window, I see the hockey-shaped door handle. Wow. I am just, I jump out of the car. I, I don't <laughs> even say I'm going anywhere. I just run out of the car, run around. We had a white, a dark gray side by side and then also a red and a black right next to one another and they just drove up all at once they were already parked there and when i pulled in i obviously ran in quickly into the restaurant hoping to find elon sitting and having yes and no No. such no such luck on elon (laughs) at least but there they were a couple of tesla fellow tesla employees it was very exciting they let me see the car i can't officially say that the trunk space was much more than i expected they actually fit four rims or four tires with rims in the back of the car, which was very surprising. Wow. I've, I've had oh. problems with that uh, on every other car I've ever owned. But uh, yeah, very exciting. The cars were in perfect shape. Um, and obviously, they look just amazing in person. Pictures can't give them justice. Now, you're an S owner, and now you've seen four, not one, four Model 3s, and you get to look at them and everything. Would you sell your Model S to get a Model 3 or the next car? To you, is there any barrier to get a Model 3 or do you like the S better? Well, I would say the main barrier for me is going to be the supercharging. I even asked the Tesla employees, I'm like, do we at least get a break on supercharging? Supercharging for the Model 3s is going to be a a pay-per-use type of thing, it Mm -hmm. seems. So I use my car on the daily, every day. I have 28,000 miles in my first year of ownership. So the Model 3 
exactly for the supercharging reason is the only reason I'm not jumping into it. But my fiance is taking my Model 3 reservation. She's very happily (laughs) accepting that. Okay. So, and she has a shorter distance. You can just charge at home. We'll use the Model S for trips and we'll use the Model 3 for commutes. What color is she getting? That was actually the biggest issue. Yeah. We ran into the four. She's really wants the blue. She's like, where's the blue one? There's no blue one. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, i got to say, I've said, um, I think I would prefer the size and the shape of the Model 3 over the S. The S is too big a car for me, mm-hmm. even though I throw my golf clubs in there, and sometimes it's a couple of buddies of mine, we throw our golf clubs in there. Just, again, looking at that video that we talked about at the beginning, that's the size of the car that I want. Something shrunk down a little bit, the S is a bit too big for me. But, of course, what I really want is the Model Y. Yeah. I want the sort of SUV version that's the shrunk down X without the falcon wing doors. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see if they'll put falcon wing doors of some sort on there. I was going to suggest uh, the website evtripplanner.com. That's the one I use a lot. It will help you to sort of really accurately drill down on where you have to stop because there's not always superchargers where you're going. So when we went through the Monument Valley, there were there at the time was not a supercharger. There is one now just on the Arizona uh, Utah border, but we had to go to like an RV park. And there are places that you still may not be able to go with your S on supercharger alone, especially if you're going off highway, like up to a cabin in the mountains, and then you're going to hang around out there for a while. If you want to really kind of check it out, this app allows you to put down how many people are in your car or basically how many pounds of luggage, how many pounds of people, what's your speed going to be in relation to the speed limit? Are you going to go 1.1, 1.4? Uh, and it, you check your car, exactly which car is a 75 D or it's a 90 P and you can put all the details in and it'll give you a route to take. And I find that to be probably the most accurate, um, Tesla's route planning has been getting better and better and better. And uh, it was only just this last week that the Tesla route planner had a better estimation of how long it was going to take me to get somewhere than Waze. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, was kind of a sea change for me, that it actually is that much better, that it got better, because it had always been sort of a bit of a laggard. I actually find the same thing. I'm continually stunned now by, I'm going from here to Oxnard, or I'm going here to Santa Barbara, and it'll tell me what my percent of charge will be when I get to my destination. Mm-hmm. And I find that it is spot on. Mm. And that used to make me anxious, like, oh, I make sure I have a lot of extra charge because I don't know how accurate this thing is. It's gotten so good. And I don't know if it's learning my style of driving, which is basically put it at 70 miles an hour and just go, or if it's sort of grouping lots of data. But it seems to know very well for my style of driving how much charge I'm going to have when I get there. And much more importantly, can I get back home and how yeah. much charge will I have? Well, that's good. Maybe that's the result of having more billions of miles of Teslas driving around. And so let me just finish up with construction. There's nine new superchargers under construction, five in the States, three in Canada, one in Austria. Nobody's in permit stage right now. We're holding our breath. More, more, more. That's all we want. Next week's going to be huge. Huge. All right. uh, Let's talk about SpaceX because we do have a launch today, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, But before we get there, let's talk about Holes in the Mars. Well, this is holes in the moon. You know, the moon is made of cheese. Yes. Yes. And cheese, like Swiss cheese, has lots of holes in it. Well, it turns out that that estimate of the moon was quite accurate, even though it was over 100 years ago. And so I was kind of listening to all of these hyper 
sort of like space people who are very excited. I'm, I'm kind of one of them about going to Mars and going to the moon. And all of a sudden, I feel like we're in a position where we have the technology and the hardware to actually get there. Oh, no. What do we do when we actually get there? You know, the moon is a pretty nasty place. If you're in the sun, it's really hot. And like if you want to go in the shade, you kind of just cross that little border over onto the dark side. It's really cold. There's like no in between. And if you're on the sunny side, because you need to put your solar panels there, the radiation from the sun is so bad that no astronaut has spent more than three days on the moon. Because there's no way to shield the astronaut. Even if they're in suits or in, you know, spaceships, they're getting pummeled with all kinds of horrible radiation that we on the Earth, you know, we should take care of this planet. Why is it? Because it's a really, really special place. Mm. Like they said in Blue's Clues, it's a really special place. (laughs) They've got the Orion Belt with all of this stuff that blocks all of the radiation or most of the radiation from the sun. That allows us and all of our lovely plants and animal friends to live. And all we're doing is crapping it up. But let me get back to the moon. Very inhospitable. So I thought, you know, oh, this sounds so great. We're going to get there. But like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to live there. I don't want to have to be, you know, getting getting leukemia. (laughs) Yeah, getting leukemia within my first year of staying there. And so I stumbled upon this article in Live Science about a city-sized lunar lava tube that could house a lot of people. And Elon's talking about this on Mars to dig tunnels, right, so that we could live in tunnels and people are looking for this. But here we have an actual lava tube on the moon. They showed me a picture. I put it in the show notes. It shows blue colors that that show kind of like the gravitational field. And there is this void. This was found initially by the Japanese. They sent up a satellite and this was back in the like 2006, I think. And they collected data for a year and then the satellites crashed into the planet. And then there was another satellite, a U.S. NASA satellite that collected uh, gravitational information. And now finally somebody has put all this information together and they have found these voids under the surface of the moon. Uh, it's an enormous tube. They, they show a picture of it and then they show a picture of Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is like a fourth of the size of the width of this tube. That tells me there's a lot of people who could live in this tube. I wonder how much the real estate value of this tube is on the moon. You know, uh, Elon said recently, uh, why don't we have a moon base already? And there it is right there. This is an enormous cavern. And uh, one assumes, therefore, that all that stuff and rock over the top will block out all of those bad radiation things. And so you could live in the cavern on the moon. I was going to ask you about... uh you know, satellites get these funny names. Yes. A lot of nicknames for satellites. Yes. The Japanese satellites, they were called Kaiguya. And I was like, why would they name a satellite Kaiguya? What does that mean? And it turns out the Japanese, when they named their satellites, they actually asked people for names for the satellites. Remember we did something about that with a boat? Yes. Yes. Bodie McBoatface. Bodie McBoatface. That's, that's the British version of how we name an important, expensive government piece of property. So the Japanese named their satellite Kaguya, and it is actually the name of a princess, a princess of the moon from a Japanese folktale, the tale of the bamboo cutter. I just thought, wow, that's a contrast, contrast in um, nationalities. You're so full of trivia. Look, let's move on and talk about the SpaceX launch today, which will have already occurred by the time you listen to this. So we shouldn't spend too much time. I think it landed. 
I think it landed. I think they stuck the landing and it took off really nicely. And uh, they delivered a Korea satellite to, uh, I think it was geotransfer orbit. It's not a huge satellite, 3,700 kilograms. So they've done bigger. This is launching from Florida from launch site 39A. So they haven't gotten the other launch site yet prepped and ready to go. The next launch will be on November 16th. And this one, they just kind of popped out of nowhere. It's called Zuma. It's a secret. Ooh. Yeah, that's all we know. It's a secret government satellite, and we almost didn't even know that it existed. There's four more launches planned in December, including the Falcon Heavy, which they just say, quote, by year end. And uh, there is going to be a launch from Vandenberg on December 23rd at like 6.30 in the evening. Ooh. Nice twilight launch. Ooh. Yeah, maybe we'll have to get together for that one up. Hmm. and go challenge all the superchargers on the way. That's right. So that makes, uh, if all of those launches take place in 2017, that'll be a total of 21 launches, which will set a record for SpaceX. And then looking forward to 2018, they actually have 31 launches planned. So SpaceX is uh, on the up and up, so to speak. 31, so like two and a half a month That's uh, pretty exciting. Give us plenty to talk about. Hyperloop, again on the Instagram, and I got this from Teslarati. We love those guys. Elon sent a picture of the tunnel that they're building here in Los Angeles. So the boring company has been, you know, boring away. And he shows a nice little picture of a tunnel. It's about 500 yards done. And tell me what this means to you guys, because I'm not sure what this means. It says it's going from LAX to the 101 with on and off ramps every mile or so. It will work like a fast freeway where there's electric skates carrying vehicles and people on pods on the main artery up to 150 miles an hour. And Mm. the skates will switch to side tunnels to exit and enter. So is he talking about this is going from the 101 here in the valley? paralleling the 405 all the way down to LAX. Is that how you understand That's it? how I understand this. And that they'll be going at 150 miles an hour. Yeah. And then when Carl wants to get off, I will go over into the side tunnel and then Carl will go flying out onto the freeway at flying. 150 miles an hour. Yeah, I don't know that it'll exit onto the freeway. I think that would be kind of difficult to do. Right. But I don't know. There are some very large empty zones where the freeway goes sort of straight through the Sepulveda Pass, but the mountains... Don't go straight, right? The mountains undulate. Mm -hmm. And there are some big sculpted kind of open areas there that currently aren't being really used for anything. And I could see them constructing some exit ramps there, but only a Tesla could really get up to speed to get onto a highway in a short distance. And, you know, I can't, I'm wondering what's Mercedes and BMW and any other high-end Audi car makers going to say about this? Because a gas car I don't think is going to be able to do this. You know, it's like, I wonder. you got to vent and do all this stuff. Um, people have talked about this is not the most efficient way to get people around. It's better to have mass transport. It's better to have uh, tunnels with trains and stuff in it. But as a proof of concept, he's already gone 500 yards. Yeah. And if you do it for cars and you get good of it, you can build bigger tunnels and stuff. So I like the fact that this is already moving along so fast. I thought this was a game. I thought this was a sort of a theoretical guy. I would dig a few holes and see what happens. Yeah. 500 yards is a long way. Now, this is serious. And in Maryland, they got permission to dig between Baltimore and Washington, D.C. I'm not sure how close to Washington, D.C., but definitely between Maryland and D.C. And they had the governor of Maryland there at this, like, grassy knoll with a cyclone fence around it. Yep. And they already sent out, like, 
a week and a half ago, pictures again on the Instagram uh, of this site. It's got the big boring company sign and uh, they're going for it. They're building a tunnel out there. And uh, my expectation is that they'll have multiple, multiple tunnels. The way they're, the, they had put out this boring company was that they were going to dig these small tunnels with a more automated system. They're going to use electricity instead of diesel. They were going to try and use reuse the dirt or the earth to make the wall of the inside of the tunnel and to streamline and, and increase the efficiency to the point where they can just sort of send these machines off in a variety of directions. And uh, then we'll just have tubes going everywhere. Um, it feels like we're living in the future. Like for since the sort of the moon landings, it feels like things sort of slowed down. Technology's moved, and we got smartphones and stuff. But like big things, big infrastructure things, big flying to the moon things seem to have slowed down. But now it seems to be speeding up again. We're going to Mars. We're building tunnels. We're driving electric cars. Moon base alpha. It's all happening. Crush Tom's car. Uh, We're going to crush Tom's car. Let's do one last story before we get into letters, and it's about zero emission vehicles. Yeah, this is a great great story. It came from Reuters, and this was a meeting of mayors who are sort of uh, taking the reins into their own hands. Remember there was this thing, it was called the Paris Climate Agreement? No, I've never heard of it. It was between a bunch of big countries. Yeah. The countries didn't really want to agree to as much as they could. It was really hard. They had to go back and forth. It started in Oslo, I think, and yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then there was a big country that said, ah, screw this. We're not going to do any of this. Yeah, that's upsetting. Which think, country was that? I think I'm standing in it right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so these mayors got together and they decided this is a big organization called the C40. I, I guess it's maybe 40 cities. Yes. But a group of those cities, like 12 big cities, have gotten together and they have signed an agreement. This is Paris, London, L.A., Cape Town, even Milan, and that's a stylish place, are all agreeing that they are only going to buy zero emission buses from 2025 on. And by 2030, they're going to have no fossil fuel buses or transportation in their cities. That's pretty awesome. So this is um, gets me excited because I got really depressed after we got out of the climate uh, you know, Paris and all that's been happening in the current White House. But then I see cities, mayors, states saying, don't worry, we're going to do this ourselves. And this is another cooperative group saying we're going to move this along ourselves. Yeah, this represents like 80 million people. And they actually noted that London has the largest electric slash hybrid bus fleet in Europe. They have over 2,500 hybrid electric buses they're using. And they're made by this company in China, BYD which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. They actually have a big factory that they're expanding in Lancaster, California. Just down the street. Just down the street, making electric buses. This thing's going well. It's really exciting. And BYD has announced a bunch of other uh, all-electric trucks for, like, garbage collection and local delivery and intermediate-sized delivery trucks. This is really exciting. All right, so let's do some letters. We've got some great letters here this month. First of all, it's from Andrew Lockie. Or lock, or locky. I under lock. He says, "I know uh, that you've been uh, getting letters from people regarding superfast charging, and I just wanted to show you what happened in San Diego. He got 322 miles per hour at 107 kilowatts, and he has a nice picture of uh, his nice blue. I assume that's an S, 
No, it's an X. So uh, that's pretty good. So for those of you that don't know, we're encouraging people to see who can get 120 kilowatts charging. The best we've had to date, I believe, is 118. This was 106, which is very good. We like that a lot. Daniel uh, Cuevado, who listens to the show or a lot. Diego, yeah. Oh, don't, sorry, Diego. <laughs> you know I can't read out loud. Um, and he's, first of all, he says, Mel, where's the uh, most efficient way to drive between places Patreon thingy? I don't know. What uh, You didn't get it? It should be posted on the site. Uh, I don't know. Diego, did you give your money? Because maybe you didn't give money like me and, and we're trying to freeload this stuff. He says here, Robert, you know, you talked about the Top Gear thing, and he wants you to know that uh, the reason that uh, there was a lawsuit is because Top Gear actually faked the issues with the Roadster. And that's what the lawsuit was about. Top Gear faked it and then made it pretend that it was a problem with the roaster and it wasn't at all. Yeah, I remember that Clarkson, who's a a boisterous kind of, um, I don't know, he's kind of a huge dude, uh, does speak out of turn and maybe, uh, you know, flamoxes things a bit. And I think he, he made some statements that were offensive to Tesla. He does point us to a YouTube video. I have to watch that, but I was too busy watching Model 3 last night. Um, and also, he says, see attached. Look at this. Oh, and I don't know if you can see that, Carl. He's got this beautiful solar array up on the roof, lots of panels. Looks like, I don't know, about a six or seven kilowatt system. Is yeah, that about 35 right? panels. So uh, that's pretty beautiful. No power yet, but, uh, you know, maybe one day soon. So thank you, Diego. Beautiful Tesla energy build there. Yeah, is that they, what it is? Yeah, because you can see at the bottom of the of the panels they have that nice little black oh, uh, yeah. piece that finishes them off mm-hmm. makes them more aerodynamic what is uh carl can you tell us uh, where is tesla getting its panels right now is it getting them from the buffalo factory yet or are you sourcing them from somewhere else right now so right now the buffalo factory is still also in its ramp up stage there are panels being produced from there otherwise the panels are like with the battery a panasonic venture mm-hmm. so the the other batteries will, I mean, the other solar panels will be coming from Panasonic's factory somewhere in Japan. So what is happening? I know that there's the solar industry is all anxious right now because there's some talk of slapping a 20% tariff on solar panels not built in the U.S. Is this correct? Can you give us some background there? That's one of those ones I should say I would like to stick with the no comments on because <laughs> it's not, not nothing set in stone yet. But I think that is the reason why Buffalo, you know, is the location for solar roof and solar panel productions for the immediate future. Yeah, so the solar panels have dropped a lot. A lot of manufacturers here in the U.S. complain that China has basically been dumping cheap solar panels to sort of destroy the market and then, you know, take it over. Um, and so some people have been calling for tariffs on uh, panels that are not made in the U.S. And so that might, it's a double-edged sword, right? So it's sort of good for the manufacturers in the U.S. that they don't have to compete with really, really cheap Chinese panels. It's bad for the consumer because now you're going to have to pay more for your panels. And so it's really good for Tesla because I want to buy, you know, panels that are built here and um, by Tesla. So I'm really hoping that they can ramp up production there. I've given up on the idea that I'm going to put on a Tesla shingles anytime soon because so many people that I've talked to said, look, yes, it's going to happen, but the ramp up like the Model 3, it's going to take a while. So you're not going to see it probably for a year where we're in full production. So here's another one from Christy Morgan, uh, supercharger in Salinas. And Christy is telling us, you know, she drives to Santa Barbara to Gilroy, and that's where she usually plugs in. But there's one, there's a new supercharger in Salinas, and Christy got 112 kilowatts, which is 
super good. Yeah. She sent us a picture, too, with another podcast. Oh, how uh, dare I, you, Christy? Uh, how she says we listen to them all. Yes. I so, listen to lots of them as well. Yeah. Uh, Joyce Chang, uh, AI warfare don't laugh. So hmm. Elon is really worried about artificial intelligence. And Joyce sends us to a link that suggests that maybe Russia didn't help Trump as much as you think, but big data did. And so this is really nothing new. But you take uh, lots of data. You run through AI and you say, where would be the best place for me to do a little disinformation campaign or to put a lot of political money um, rather than sort of trying to win California? Is there some specific areas that could throw the election? And this is not big news. This is just the way things are done now. With big data and with mining it and with artificial intelligence, you can throw elections, as it were. Um, But really what this means, as long as uh, you're on the left and you have AI that's really powerful... And the person on the right has AI that's really powerful. Basically, you could see that as a zero-sum game. As long as everybody's playing with the same data and the same amount of computing power, it probably ends up that you can sort of fight each other in this little area. But this is what Elon worries about. If one group in particular has way more AI than the rest of the group, then they become infinitely powerful, whether it's on internally in a government, whether it's between governments, whether it's between individuals. Um, He gets really, really anxious. And, you know, there was a robot that called out Elon this week. What was that story about? Yeah, so this is in Teslarati. I'll throw it in the show notes. It, uh, it's uh, Sophia is her name. And she was debuted in Saudi at this uh, technology and innovations conference. And she's pitching all these guys. I imagine this is a room of men with a lot of money mm-hmm. who are really interested in investing in the future. And this robot, it was awful. I thought it was awful. I thought this was going to be good, but she like she's cute, like a cute face, and she makes these cute little smiles, and she kind of tilts her head. And I thought this is like reverse sexism because she's like attracting uh, investment. But the whole thing was so poorly planned. This guy is asking her questions, and she starts talking, and then he starts asking a question, and she's talking again over him. And in this, she says, you know, you shouldn't really fear AI unless you watch too many horror movies or listen to Elon Musk. <gasps> she dis- she Elon? said that. I couldn't believe it. How dare she? But I'd much rather watch Elon than this thing because she looked weird. <laughs> Sven Peters or Steven Peters from Belgium says, <laughs> hey, uh, there's a couple of new superchargers opening, which is great, but one is closing. And he speculates that that supercharger is closing because it's not making enough money. He assumes that the people who own this business where the supercharger is is actually paying for the electricity. And I've got to say, I don't think that's how it works. I think Tesla is paying for the electricity. There must be some other reason that they don't want that supercharger there anymore. And he says the problem in Belgium is that because of where they've been putting superchargers, they get iced a lot. So that's when an ice car comes and parks in the supercharger area because they're putting in areas with a lot of congestion. Is that is that like a it's like a truck that sells ice cream to children an ice car? No, it's not like that at all. So it begs the question I thought that the one of the important things here is what is the best business to stick next to your supercharger? And I don't think it's restaurants. A lot of people think, oh, you should put it next to your restaurant. I think it's actually the way the oil and gas industry have done it. It's convenience store. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to stop for 10 or 20 minutes. I just want to go get my Diet Coke. I want to get my Mars bar. Yeah, I better get a bag of chips. And uh, I'm going to walk around for five minutes, have a wee, and get back in the car. I don't really want to sit down and have a big meal. Now, like Carl, when I'm driving to San Francisco, I stop at Harris Rants because I'm getting the fries yeah. and I'm getting the burger mm. and I'm going to hang out for an hour. Yeah. But most of the time I want in and out. Yeah. 
In and out burger. In and out. Now oh. that's what we should do. We should hook Tesla superchargers to In and Out, and uh, that'd be right. great. I, I would prefer Shake Shack. They're really good. Really, really. Yeah, you'd never see those parking spots get iced in In and Out, right? No, there's no, not, no chance. Not no. gonna happen. I'd kill people if they. I iced. like when they paint them red. Okay, so that was like a big deal when they started painting the actual parking space bright red with the Tesla symbol on it. Yes. Then people stopped parking there. I think it takes, there's like a certain threshold to shame people into not parking in the, you know, electric vehicle spot because, you know, at at one of the hospitals where I work, there's six chargers. They are iced almost, four of them are almost always iced. And it's kind of a messed up thing because, you know, I've said to people, you know, you're parking where somebody needs to fill their car. And now if they can't fill their car, they're kind of stuck. It's like if you went to the gas station and someone parked their truck and left it there and you couldn't get to the pump. How would you feel? They're like, oh, really? I didn't know this was an electric vehicle charging spot. So if you paint the ground green for EV, whatever, J1772 plugs and red for Teslas, then people somehow it like hits them. Oh. I guess I shouldn't park here. Yeah, and I think uh, that is a tiny bit of very important social engineering because it is absolutely true. A lot of the superchargers, not the Tesla ones, that other other charging stations don't have any marking. They just have their little you know, nozzle there. But as soon as you put electric car charging and put some paint down there, it looks like you know, a disabled parking. It looks like, right. oh, I better take notice of this. So I agree with you. And don't put them like right in the front. Like if you, you know, got a busy supermarket, let's say, and you've got like, you're going to put in four charging spots. Don't put them like in the right in the front where the handicap are because everybody wants those spots. They're going to get taken. Put them a ways away, but not the end of the parking lot, but a little ways away. So it's not just the most convenient, you know, you don't, you don't even feel as an electric car driver, like you're kind of jacking the world. Right. By getting this premium parking spot. But, but there is a small conundrum with all of that that I have been running into now that Tesla Energy is doing more uh, charging slots. You have to realize the, the conduit run. That's mm-hmm. really the biggest issue, especially with pre-built parking lots. You're talking about the extension cord? Yeah, no, literally, yeah. The extension cord that has to be ran to those chargers can sometimes add such an expense for businesses and especially for like malls or places like that. That's the reason why these, you know, electric chargers do get put sometimes precariously close to the handicapped parking, Mm -hmm. thus being iced. Right. So the electricity that's coming to that box, that store, is close to the front door, as you might say. So that's where you're going to put your charger because then you don't have to do a big run somewhere else. Yeah, because the actual conduit run can cost more than the chargers themselves in most cases. Well, there you go. Another insight from Carl. Aaron Schneider has a very long email here. and uh, Wonderful email. Thank you, Aaron. It's really good. And a couple of things that he said. He got a bolt, and he noticed uh, the same problem that I have with Grandpa, that the bolt is a great car. I really like it in terms of an electric vehicle. Um, I've been driving a little bit because Grandpa's away, so I've been, you know, going over to his house and, uh, you know, watering the plants and then taking the bolt for a bit of a spin. But the problem, again, is that it doesn't have a supercharger network, so driving to Phoenix is a problem. And one of the ways you can get around this is something that I think we've talked about before, but it really didn't go into my head, that there's a J adapter. And uh, this adapter allows you to go to a 
Tesla, not a supercharger, but an AC nozzle on like a destination charger. Right. And clip on a J1772 adapter so that then you could plug in your bolt or your leaf or whatever else you have. And since the destination charger network is so big for Tesla, you can now, as a bolt owner, use the Tesla destination charger network, which for some people will be really helpful. Now, as a Tesla owner, I'm like, I don't know if I want people to plug in their bolts, but mostly I want electrification, so let's make that happen. Yeah, these are the high-powered wall connectors. And this is something we talked about, I think maybe it was six or nine months ago. I was talking to Anthony from this company that makes these uh, adapters. They make all kinds of adapters. In fact, that's where we, you, Mel, and I got our J1772 extension Extension cords. Mm -hmm. And they make the extension cord in 10 up to, I think, 40 or maybe even longer foot long, which is really great if you get to one of these charging locations, like at my hospital, where they're iced, but you can get a spot that's like two spots away. You can still plug your car in to the uh, J1772 plug. And, you know, you lose maybe a little bit of charge rate because you have to push that energy through a longer cord, but it's really not significant. And then they were prototyping these uh, J adapters and they're very cool. They're 200 bucks Mm -hmm. and I still haven't bought one. Yeah. I think uh, if I had a bolt, I would definitely buy one of these adapters. For sure. Um, Julie Byers. Byers. She was out and about talking to some people who might potentially be making some things that go into the Model 3. And uh, she noted that the problem with Tesla, it's the it's a good thing and it's a bad thing, is that they have super high production standards. So Elon and the kids come over and say, we want you to build a seat. But here's the specifications and the seat better be perfect or we're not going to give you the money. And so a lot of suppliers, according to Julia, are saying, uh, not sure I really want to work with Tesla because their requirements are so stringent. And this may be why They've got some production problems because there's not a whole bunch of people want this contract because Elon's a bit of a pain in people's buttocks. You mean like other car manufacturers are like, oh, we're okay if you kind of mess up a few things (laughs) here and there. Elon really wants it built well. Yeah. And so this is just sort of speculation that maybe there's not as many people that will build for Tesla as will build for other. Story behind the story. Yes. Daniel Berman says, well, actually, this one's really for Tom, but Tom is not here. And he's trying to decide, should he get a secondhand Model S or a brand new Model 3? So this, knowing that the Model 3 is not going to be in volume for at least a year. So I have people asking me this right now. Well, I'd really like to get a Model 3. I'm like, is your name on the list? And they're like, no. Well, I was like, go put your name on the list because it's going to be at least a year before you get it. And then the discussion comes up, well, but I kind of need a car right now. Should no. I get a secondhand Model S? Yeah, I just buy the S. You know, bird in the hand is so much. It's You know, so many people I've talked to and told them how great Teslas are. And then they go buy a Tesla, unfortunately, without my code. And then <laughs> they come back to me and they say, why didn't you tell me how fun it was to drive? And I tell them, uh, you weren't listening to me. I mean, <laughs> why do you think I do all of this? Because this is an amazing car. So just last night, two in the morning, I'm having this discussion with one of the guys that I work with. He's got his name on the line for Model 3. He was stood in line uh, on whatever it was, March 31st or April. Uh, I forgot. Yeah, March 31st. And... Um, And he's like, you know, they're not coming and my car's getting kind of older and I want to get a car. You know, what do you think? And I said, just jump on a Model S. You know, it's a great car. There's nothing wrong with it. The Model 3 has got some really cool new stuff, right? You get a mirror 
with a light as a visor. You've got more cup holders. Uh, it's got a kind of a cool air conditioning system. Yeah, there's some new stuff there, but it's not as big. It's not as fast. Uh, it's probably going to handle pretty well, though. And, you know, just go for the S. Bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Yeah, and it's the prices of these uh, certified pre-owned or used, as Elon likes to call them, um, have really come down to the place where they're a high-end Model 3 and a Model S are going to be about the same price. So you can get a 75 uh, Model S for, you know, in the 50s, and that's about what you're going to get your Model 3 for with the same sort of range. So it's a tough question, but if you want one right now, there's only one way to go. Go get a certified pre-owned. Unless you want to spend the full 100 grand on... You know, all the bells and whistles, but they're, I don't think you need to. Yeah, they're holding their value really well as too. You know, even though you put miles on them, but as Test Loop has shown, they've driven cars for a long distance and they're estimating 900,000 miles on their first Model S. That's what they're estimating they will get out of that car. Yeah, people's biggest concern is if I get a secondhand one, will the battery have degraded a lot? And the battery no. degradation is really, really great. It's like, 90% or more at 100,000, 200,000 miles you've yeah. got. So it's really great. James Carey. Oh, go, Carl. And a little tip that I'd also like to give for your reader is I would go into the local Tesla store if they have any or to talk with somebody at a local Tesla store because they have some CPO vehicles that aren't listed on the website uh-huh. that might be demo vehicles. And those can be very fairly discounted. You yeah. can actually get really good price. That's how I got my 75 myself. You, you do have to just talk and ask. And it is, uh, this show will come out on the 31st. That is Halloween here in the United States. Yes. And it is the last day you can put your name in the hat to buy a new Model S or Model X with my referral code. Since Tom is not here, right? It's all yours. Robert, Robert 3177. Know this, that if you're like on the fence, you still have to convince your spouse or partner. You can put your deposit down. By the end of day, October 31st, and you still have seven days, like a cooling off period, where you can cancel and get your refund back. But uh, if you're on the fence, this is the time to do it, to get $1,000 off and free supercharging for the life of the car, which is a really sweet deal. It's not necessarily... A fi- you know, it's not a huge financial gain. I think you have to... We once figured you have to drive like 50 plus thousand miles purely supercharging to get back the supercharging that you actually pay for embedded in the car, which is like a $2,500 fee. But still, it's a really sweet perk. Yeah, for somebody like Carl who's doing 30,000 miles a year, that's a big deal. For somebody like me who's probably doing at this point 5,000 miles a year, it's not so big a deal. But uh, yeah, so by the 31st, if if you're on the fence... You want free supercharging for life. You better hurry up. Now, they've extended it and done different things many times, so we don't know if they'll come back. And yeah, but there's no it news to this point. But to date, nothing. Yeah. James Carey sends us a nice uh, scientific article from the National Academy of Sciences, which is about storm surges and flooding in New York City. And uh, it's a really interesting scientific paper worth reading. But the summary is this. If you go back 100 years or more, and then you sort of extrapolate 100 years or more from now, the concept of the 500-year flood in New York that will destroy lots of things is now every five years. That uh, with global warming, with elevation in sea level, that you can expect big-time floods in New York every five years instead of every 500 years. This is happening now. Yeah, and they're, they're projecting out to 2,300. That's like Star Trek era. Uh, I don't think I'll be around then. No. Uh, I don't think I'm going to make it. Unless we upload you into the singularity. Yes. Uh, Owen 
Keen? I don't know how to say your name, Owen. You should, because he's from Australia. Australia. This is a funny story. So he's from Australia, mate. And so uh, he's waiting for his Model 3, mate. And it's going to take a while, mate, because they have the steering wheel on the other side, mate. And he's in Canberra, which is the world's most boring city, mate. I'm going to get some letters about that. But anyway, he's riding his e-bike. And so... uh, he wanted to put a sort of a speaker on there, so as he's riding, he can listen on, you know, on his uh, speaker. Yeah, because he doesn't have his, he can't do podcasts while he's on the bike, but he could do it in the car. So he's getting ingenious with little uh, bungee cords. So he took some bungee cords and he strapped a sort of an old Bluetooth uh, speaker to his bike and he rides around and goes to work. And, uh, you know, he's like, oh, I look like a bit of a dork doing this, but too bad. But it's really bad when you're listening to Talking Tesla and you're going f- past some pedestrians just as talking tesla has clipped in a clip of abba and so now you've lost all manliness is all gone and i say mate i say oh and listen to this mate just suck it up be a man embrace the fact that abba is the greatest group of all time and even if you're on your e-bike with a strapped on sort of bluetooth uh, speaker you you can suck it up and just be a man be proud be proud that you're on an e-bike and playing abba for the world to hear yeah, I think the the phrase that caught me in this letter was goofy idiots. And he wasn't referring to the pedestrians he was passing by. He was uh, perhaps talking about us? Yes. We've come to the end of the show. I have no idea where Tom is, but I think he told me a few weeks ago he wouldn't be here and I forgot. Uh, Carl was here this morning. It was great to have you, Carl. Thanks for chatting with us. Just... You know, he was just randomly here. I met him on the weekends. I oh, come over and listen to the show. He was going to listen to the show. He didn't know he was going to be on, on the, the show. show. Oh, free, free talent. And uh, Robert was uh, late because he slept in. Yes. Oh my God! I can't believe the alarm went off. I didn't hear it at all. I woke up. It was two minutes until start time, and I was in Oxnard. Uh, he was uh, fifty minutes away. Uh- so, uh, Carl, thanks again for uh, stopping by and chatting. That was great of you. And uh, now we know that you're a local down the street here. I'm going to hit you up for some Powells. I need some solar panels. Uh, a lot, there are a lot of things to get from you. You want a roof? I need a roof. You want a Model Y? Yeah, if you could get me a Model Y by next week, that'd be great. Pickup truck? Come on, Carl, help us out. I appreciate your hospitality. Thank you for having me over. <laughs> Notice that he's saying nothing because he likes his job. <laughs> For the Patreons, um, I'm putting together a series on Nikola Tesla, the history of Nikola Tesla and Ooh. Westinghouse and all of this stuff. It's going to be really, it's going to be great. It's going to be huge. It's going to be large. And for those of you that aren't Patreons, well, you're going to miss out unless you become one. Yeah, become one. And then you can help uh, propel the Tom Carr crush even more. Although I haven't heard back from SpaceX or Elon if they're going to actually launch the car, uh, yeah, yeah there's a the Falcon Heavy. There's a separate group started by Robert and some other readers that want not to crush Tom's car, but to send Tom's car to Mars. Yeah. And I saw you tweeting directly at Elon, but he hasn't answered you. No, I, I'm not sure why. You know, he did answer me back in the spring, but uh, he's he's gone silent on me. I guess he's trying to give uh, everybody else some more love. Um, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Talking Tesla. We'll talk to you next week. Bye for now. Adios. Talking Tesla is a production of Fully Boo Incorporated. Hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wolfson, and Robert Rosenblum. Edited by Eliza Jane Barnes. And produced by CC Herbert and Mel Herbert. To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash Talking Tesla. To find our referral codes, go to talkingtesla.net forward slash about. And finally, if you love the show, go write us a review on iTunes.